either having right now or have gone through at some point in our life. Anybody ever known confusion before in your life? Just, yeah, it's like one of the tricks that the devil has in his, in his bag is to bring confusion, it seems, and try to get us into reasoning, right, and questioning and wondering. And again, we know that God, you know, his word says, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 33, that God is not the author of confusion. So what does that tell you? It's not God, amen? It's the enemy that brings confusion to our minds. So we're going to, we had kind of started on this uh, two, three weeks ago, actually. We, of course, like I mentioned, we missed the last two weeks due to weather and, and then the blood drive. But let's, let's look, how many of you had, have your study guide from the confused mind? It'll be number eight. Everybody have one? Anybody need one? You don't have? All right. Let's see. I think we have some right up here. Uh, sister there, probably towards the bottom of that, of that stack. You see it? All right. The confused, confused mind. All right. I love some of the illustrations that that uh, Joyce uses in this book. You know, she, uh, she tells about herself, and we're going to find out in the next chapter in the passive mind. She even talks about her husband, that he kind of had a passive mind. So she uses a, an illustration here we'll get to in just a, a minute. But let's first of all, we stopped on number seven. So the first one, uh, a wondering mind. Remember we had done that. Uh, that same week when we were working on the confused mind. A wondering mind and a confused mind are very similar because wondering and questioning everything does cause confusion. Is that right? Can you see that, church? You're wondering about something. Uh, you, you know, you're running, you're processing all these thoughts through your mind, so it definitely can lead to confusion. So I think in the, in the book here, I think she uses the term their relatives, <laughs> All right, wondering mind and a confused mind are, are relatives because they're very, they're very uh, similar. Number two, James 1, 5 through 8, that's in your book. I know there at the start of chapter 10. And let's just, uh, we'll read it here. I think this is a very powerful, powerful text, so we will take time to, to read it. It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom... Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault-finding, and it will be, what? Given him. Anybody ever prayed for wisdom? Yes. I, uh, as a young man, I prayed for wisdom. I think I've shared this before, how that, I don't know, I just, I read that story about Solomon, you know, instead of wanting all the riches and the fame, he, want, he asked for wisdom. And he became one of the wisest men upon the face of the earth. And uh, I think wisdom is so important in our world that we live in today. To be able to, you know, to have knowledge is one thing, but to know how to apply that knowledge. Sometimes it takes a, you know, we look at, we look at old people with gray hair like me and think <laughs> they've got wisdom, right? But sometimes there's young people that have wisdom, amen, because they've prayed and they've asked God for it. And guess what? He says he'll what? He'll give it. He'll give it to you. So 
If you are needing wisdom, whether it's in your business, your family, your personal life, or whatever, I would, I would uh, say, God, you, you said in James 5 to ask, and I'm asking in faith. And it says here in verse 6, so it must be in faith that he asked, though, with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, hesitates, or doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. I remember Bob telling the story about being out. Y'all remember that? When we talked about this scripture uh, three weeks ago. For truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. God does not like doubt and fear and unbelief, does he? We've got to ask in faith and keep on asking. One version says in the Amplified, ask and keep on asking. Believe and keep on believing that what we have uh, petitioned God for, he's going he's gonna to grant it. How many has ever uh, ha- had a delayed response from God? It didn't happen just quickly. Sometimes you pray and you knock and you, you remind God in your prayer time that, hey, I'm back again. You know, I've talked to you. We've talked about this before. God, and I'm still standing in faith. I'm not asking selfishly. I've examined my motives. I believe this is something, and I know sometimes for this church, I pray that way. For my family, I pray that way. So, again, we don't doubt. Verse 8, for being as he is a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and Besides, the King James, King James Version says he is unstable in all of his ways, doesn't it, John? Yeah, unstable in all of his ways. So it's very important. God does not want us walking in a confused mind, does he? I think that's the lesson here. So it says here in question two, it's an excellent scripture to help us understand confusion as a double-minded man is the picture of confusion. He's saying yes one day and no the next minute, you know. So James compares a confused man, that this was in there too, to a sea that is tossing to and fro by the wind. This kind of man will not receive anything. Reasoning leads to confusion and is really a waste of time. Anybody ever tried to reason with God? You know, I'm sure that when God told some of the prophets to do crazy things like throw a stick in the water and this axe head will float don't you know that the reasoning mind wanted to go what what are you talking about god you know type thing but guess what elijah or was it elisha elisha i believe through yeah it's the with the prophets that's right so elisha he threw that stick in there and all of a sudden that axe head started swimming Bianca's looking at me like, Pastor now, <laughs> but it, it's in there. I have to find you the chapter and verse, okay? All right. She, she, uh, but yeah, it, isn't it, has God ever, you know, said something or spoke something to you that defied all reasoning? You know, go here, do that, don't do this. And uh, so again, we can't, we can't walk in ris- reasoning or questioning. We've got to just get to a place in God where, uh, as he says here in, on this question, it's, it's really a waste of time to, to try to figure God out. A lot of people have tried and have not done it, okay? Number five, re- reasoning occurs when a person tries to figure out the why 
behind something that has happened. We've all been there, haven't we? There's things that have happened. You know, I've, again, I think I mentioned Sunday, and we prayed for the Gonzalez family. They lost, they had two daughters when we were in ministry in Ardmore, and we spent a lot of time together, and they lost one of their daughters just this past weekend. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the whys have rolled through their mind, you know, here in her early 40s. Uh, why, 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 God, why? I've, I've done funerals of little babies two and three years old, and I didn't have the answer, and I'll never have the answer to the whys, amen? But we just have to trust God and keep relying on him. As Job said, you know, all the stuff that Job went through, he said, I don't care if God kills me. I'm still going to trust him. I'm going with God all the way, and I've made up my mind, you know, well, I don't care what happens in my life. God has been good to me, but I want to believe that even in the storms and the adversity of life, I'm still going to praise him. Amen? Hallelujah. Because I want to spend eternity with him. You got something, John? Very good. Hollow and deceptive philosophy. Good stuff. Second Kings. All right. Says the same thing you said. Oh, the accent. Okay. All right. Bianca, Second Kings. What was it? Six? Six. Okay. There you go. She's going to be checking me out on that. <laughs> Number six. Uh, okay, we just did it. The wise number seven. Satan, Satan frequently steals the will of God from us due to reasoning. Because if it isn't logical, we usually disregard it. How many people have missed out on something great and big and wonderful that was the will of God for their lives, but they reasoned God out of? This can't be. I'm having some problems right here this can't be the will of God Jesus said in this world you're going to have some problems you know we think that sometimes when we find Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior everything's just going to be hunky-dory pie in the sky and the sweet by and by but uh, there's going to be some testings he's going to see how how you measure up against the storms of life so you're praying for the will of God and then you start having a, a few little problems and you just say well that can't be the the will of God? Well, maybe it is. Amen. Maybe you've just reasoned yourself right out of the perfect will of God into the permissive will of God. Amen. So uh, we need to be careful there and not not uh, let us. Here's I like this. This just popped in my mind. Let's not try to outsmart God. Amen. Uh, he, he he's been around a long time, and you're not going to outsmart him if he puts something in your spirit. Listen, be submissive, and obedient. Amen? So here's where we left off. Number 7 uh, says this. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us not to reason with the mind, just obey in the Spirit. The natural man, it says here, receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Touched on that a little bit Sunday, didn't I? About walking, walking in the Spirit. 
are walking in the flesh, which one are we doing every day? You know, we're either, uh, what was the, the name, resisting, resistance, or compliance. I'm, I should be resisting the devil, and I should be complying with the Holy Spirit. I should be resisting the flesh, amen, and, and allowing the Holy Spirit, uh, complying wholeheartedly with the Holy, Holy Spirit. So, and that's kind of what this question says. We don't reason with the mind. We just obey in the Spirit. So, here we go. Uh, number eight. Let's see here where we left off in the book. I don't know if you're uh, following along there, but it should be at the, in the book I'm in. It's at the bottom of page number 96. She tells the story of the red dress. Anybody remember reading that? All right, Sharon does. She bought this beautiful red dress, and the Lord told her to give it to one of her helpers in the ministry. And uh, she, you know, she liked the dress. It was beautiful, and she, she began to reason with the Lord, didn't she, and began to eventually say, no, I think I want to keep that, that dress. Well, time goes on, and you know, it says some weeks later at the bottom of 97, I was getting ready for another meeting, and just as before, when Ruth Ann's name came up in my spirit, I began to pray for her. I repeated the whole scene again, saying, Father, Ruth Ann has been such a blessing to us. What can I do to bless her? Immediately, I saw that red dress again. And I got a sinking feeling in my flesh because I now remembered the other incident, which I had quickly and totally forgotten. This time, there was no squirming out of it. <laughs> And I either had to face the fact that God was showing me what to do and do it, or I simply had to say, I know what you're showing me, Lord, but I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to be stubborn and rebellious. So I, I love the Lord too much to willfully, knowingly disobey, and so I began to talk to him about the red dress. And within minutes, uh, well, let's go ahead and read it. Within minutes, I realized that on the previous occasion, I had reasoned my way right out of the will of God, and it had taken only a moment to do it. I had thought that I couldn't be hearing from the Lord because the dress was new. Yet now I realize that the Bible says nothing about giving away old, only old things. It would be more of a sacrifice for me to give the dress away because it was new, but it would also be more of a blessing to Ruth Ann. So as she opened her heart to God, God showed her, and she eventually presented that red dress to Ruth Ann and said she even wears it still uh, I don't know when this book exactly was written, but said she still wears it occasionally to the office. So can we reason ourselves right out of a blessing and right out of the will of God? I know in my life the Lord has spoken to me to to do something for somebody. And and now, you know, if I'm in a restaurant and the Holy Spirit tells me to buy so-and-so, so I look across the room and, and buy their lunch, I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty quick to do it. And again, it's... It, 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 it's very important. You say that's just something small, but it's it's a it's a learning to, to be obedient and not you know uh, reason ourselves right out of a blessing. Because every time I do that, orders come in. God blesses me in, in some way that I, I get that back fourfold. You know what I've paid for their lunch or whatever. So number eight. Anytime we read what the word says and we refuse to do it, reasoning has gotten involved and deceived us into believing something other than the truth. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning 
contrary to the truth. Very important. Amen? Very important. And she goes along here and says, any t- uh, well, that's number eight right there. I, w- I want to jump on down here to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Everybody knows that, those two verses, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The key words in this lesson is lean not into your own understanding. Man, that such a, I mean, we could, we could probably preach several scriptures just on those two verses right there. It's just so powerful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lean on, trust in the Amplified. Be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Do not rely on your own insight or your own understanding. Reasoning opens the door for deception, and it brings much, much confusion. So number nine here, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, reminds us not to rely too much on ourselves. Okay? Or on our reasoning, however you want to put that. Do not rely. That's pretty, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Do not. I mean, he's very serious here. Do not rely on your own understanding. And then, uh, we're going over here to the other page. Anybody ever had question marks in your, in, in your life? Uh, that's kind of what number 10 is about. There are times when God leaves huge question marks as tools in our lives to stretch our faith. You ever had a season in your life where you were just really trying to figure some things out? It can be loss, it can be a divorce, it can be a, a failure, it can be so many different things when, you know, and if you're like, I remember when I was, when I went through a, a divorce many, many years ago, I would go and hear a preacher, you know, preaching about hanging in there and sticking it out, and, and then I would come back and I'd, you know, read something else or hear another preacher talking about, you know, Go where you're celebrated and blah, blah, blah. And, all. and I remember just going through that confusion for, for, several, uh, for several years, just trying to figure out, God, what is, your, what is your plan for my life? And eventually had to make a decision and then live with the consequences, you know, of that, of that decision. But I think we've all had a season in our life when there were some question marks, right? Like, why? What's going on? What have, what's the lesson here? What am I supposed to be doing uh what's the will of god in the middle of this and i don't know about you but i've actually and i think i've told you all this before i've literally laid on the altar for hours and say god speak to me i've got to know i've got to know the will of god in this in this matter and sometimes you know what's that old saying the heavens were like brass i never got the answer that day but eventually he began to slowly gently nudge me towards what was his will and his plan for my life. So, again, it's, I think we've all, we've all got the T-shirt on not listening to God and following our own understanding and our own knowledge. And we've made, anybody made bad choices besides me? <laughs> we were studying with the, the minister's training class last night, all the diff- different dispensations. And we, we look at nearly every great, faith worthy in the Old Testament 
they were tested, they were tried, and many of them failed, didn't they? Many of them just, uh, you know, they were human just like the rest of us. So don't, don't beat yourself up if you are in, in this season of your life and there is some confusion. Just, just, I think tonight's lesson is for somebody. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Don't rely, you know, let go and let God. Do not rely on your own thinking and your own thoughts and your own reasoning. Anybody else want to jump in there on that? About the question marks. I think it's just a matter of us standing in faith saying, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know what, but I am trusting and relying on you. Your word says for me not to rely on myself, so I let go of myself, and I say your perfect will be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So number 11, reasoning prevents discernment and revelation knowledge. Everybody understand what discernment and revelation knowledge is, right? Discernment is that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? When you ask Jesus Christ into your heart and life, the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of you. And he's going to give you, you know, show you things to come. As we've read, I think even Sunday in John 14, 15, and 16, he'll teach you all things, guide you into all truth, show you things to come. So that's discernment. That's when you're discerning in your spirit. So reasoning can cancel discernment, right? And it can also uh, cancel revelation knowledge. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just reveals us something, you know, through the gift of knowledge or the gift of, uh, of, of wisdom. And we can cancel it by our reasoning. So number 11 is reasoning stops or prevents discernment and revelation knowledge. So number 12, we can become addicted to wrong mental activity just as someone else can get addicted to drugs, alcohol, etc. She talked about in her life, she had gotten so used to the mental activity and to the, to the stuff going on in her mind that she didn't know what to do when God delivered her from reasoning. It was like, you know, it, it, it filled up her whole day, just, just carrying all of this confusion and carrying all of this stuff bouncing around. I mean, you know, some people's minds are more active <laughs> than others. We're going to get into the passive mind here, here in just a minute, but I sometimes think, Lord, I'd like to have a little bit of a passive little bit of a passive mind because mine can just it gets pretty filled up in the course of a day right but she said that she uh she said i had spent so much it's on the last uh couple paragraphs here of that chapter i'd spent so much of my mental time reasoning that when i gave it up i had to become accustomed to my mind being so peaceful for a while it seemed boring but now i love it well i used to run my mind all the time on everything now i can't tolerate the pain and labor of reasoning. Will it wear you out? It will wear you out. I know every once in a while I'll have a project or something going that I know is going the next day. And it, it could even be, I know Bob's in the carpentry. And I'll sit there and run that scenario through my mind. Is this board going to fit here? Is this going to go in this way? And, and then I'll, I'll even sometimes turn on the light and write something down. <laughs> 
about it, you know, or, or talking to my iPhone and say, Siri, remind me, you know, blah, 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 you know, type, type thing. And, and again, that's, that's that mental activity when, when God is wanting us just to be, hello, sleeping, right? <laughs> sleeping. It's time to be sleeping and our mind is, is running wild. So the Holy Spirit really, as I studied this this week, in fact, even this morning, put a scripture in my heart, and I don't think I gave it to you, Bev, but it's Hebrews 4, 1 through 3, in the, in the message and also maybe in the NLT towards the last, but Hebrews 4, 1 through 3, did you know there's a place of rest in the Lord? There is a place of quiet, peaceful rest in the Lord, and in, and in the Bible, rest uh, can be used in four different ways you know the first way it was used was on the seventh day god what rested then in in psalms chapter 95 he talks about the people going into the promised land that was going to be rest for them going into the promised land and the third one is the one i'm talking about in these verses it's the peace uh with now that we have in our spirit because of our faith in God. I can I can walk in rest. Amen. And the last one is one of these days we're going to have an eternal rest forever and forever. But here in Hebrews 4 it's talking about the rest that we can walk in right now. It says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fall, might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe, say that's me, that's me, can enter into this rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. God wants you to walk in rest, amen, and live at peace. Paul talked about it. Live at peace with all men, amen. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath and your anger, amen. So we can, again, this is just a footnote to this chapter. It's not in the book, but if you want to write in Hebrews 4, one through three and what brings rest is faith it makes it clear doesn't it faith brings rest hallelujah and it causes us to cease from our worries and our cares and our anxiety and we just roll it over on god don't we all right any questions on number eight and guess what i need someone to run me about 10 of these who knows how to run the copier? You got it, Sharon? All right. Yes, Joseph? Number 10? All right. Question marks. There are times when God leaves huge question marks as tools in our lives to stretch our faith. And 12 was uh, we can become addicted to wrong mental activity. And three was, James compares a confused man to a sea. 
that is tossing to and fro, this kind of man will not receive anything. Number six, Satan frequently steals the will of God from us. Number two, all right, it's fine. We, uh, we got time here while she's running the next copy. James 1, 5 through 8 is an excellent scripture to help us understand confusion as a double-minded man is the picture of confusion. A double-minded man is definitely confused, right? He is not knowing, do I go left, do I go right, on and on. So, chapter number 9, and again, this is the last one of the negative traits of the, of the mind. I can't wait to get into next week when we get into the mind of Christ. Y'all ready for it? Getting into the mind of Christ. But it's good. I think this has been good to show that we can have a critical mind. We can have a judgmental mind. We can have an anxious mind. We can have a worried mind. We can have a, all of these. If y'all remember on the first, the first night, didn't we write some of these down on the blackboard? Or the whiteboard, all the things that, the thought, different kinds of thoughts that can go through your mind. Fear, anxiety, doubt, all of these things. So now we're, you know, we're going to, starting next week, look at having the mind of Christ. And that's, that's the goal. So a passive mind. What do we think of when we think of passive? Laid back? It's kind of laid back. Now Joseph is laid back, Right? A little bit. Calm. So you even go, you deal with that some too, huh? Okay. He always seems so, he always seems to me so calm, cool, and collected. Right. Just take a deep breath. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're not tense and your heart rate comes down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that more and more. And one thing I'm learning is to take a deep breath. When I'm really getting wound up and the phone's ringing and it's real estate or it's church or it's, you know, uh, CK Enterprises, whatever's, you know, whatever's going on in my, the course of my day, and sometimes it's all coming in at once, you have to prioritize as to what's, what's the most urgent right now. But I'll sometimes, when I feel myself getting wound up like an eight-day clock, I just kind of go, Y'all want to try that one time? Hold it. And just relax, right? John and I were taking a transmission <laughs> out of a, a pickup over our heads the other morning, and uh, we were having to do that a few times. I mean, it was, uh, it was like fighting a lion or a bear, you know? Trying to get that big, bad... We thought it weighed 100 pounds, and it weighed 200 pounds. <laughs> we were wrestling that thing around like a like a gorilla but anyway a passive mind let's look let's jump in here Hosea 4 6 tells us my people are destroyed for 
lack of knowledge. It's very important. And there it is up on the, the, the board. Because you've rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget your children. And this is, a, she says, very true concerning the area of passivity. Most Christians are not even familiar with the term, nor they do, nor they do even know, nor do they know how to recognize the symptoms. So passivity is the opposite of activity, isn't it? It's just being laid back. Do you know anybody here know of anybody that's just laid back and just, like I said, just calm and and not a whole lot going on. I've met people in my life, like I said, that I think if a, if a fly landed on their nose, they wouldn't swat at it, right? No, I'm teasing. Surely, surely they would. But, you know, just, just, I'm just passive. And I guess her husband, you know, we're going to find out in this chapter, was, was that way. So question number one, the first blank is they're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Number two, passivity is the opposite of activity. This is a dangerous problem. Because the word teaches us that we must be what? Alert, courteous, and active. First Peter five number eight. I think verse eight, I think we actually used this scripture Sunday, didn't we? In our text, if I remember. Yeah, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. You don't want to be too passive. Amen. With the devil. He'll sneak up on you and and get you so very good good scripture here uh and then she also uses uh what is that first timothy no second timothy 1 6 that is why i would remind you to stir up rekindle the embers fan the flame and keep burning the gracious gift of god that inner fire that is in you by means on the of the laying on of hands with those of the elders at your ordination. So sometimes, you know, we can get passive as Christians, can't we? We can get passive and, uh, you know, this place would be full tonight if everybody that, that uh, calls this their church home was here tonight, right? So what are they? Passive. Passive, yeah? Just a little bit, I think so. And, and I imagine in their minds everything else was more important, but towards God... Apparently, they're a little bit passive tonight, aren't they? So, again, passivity. It's, it's the opposite of activity. Number three, an empty, passive mind can be easily filled with all kinds of wrong thoughts. What's that old saying? The idle mind is the devil's workshop. Is it true? Anybody ever had a season in your life when you were idle for a little bit? I... I can remember one summer when I was a little bit idle. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I like to be, I sometimes wake up in the morning and I say this because Jesus said it. Lord, I'm ready to get about my father's business. I must be about my father's business. Open the door of opportunity for me today to share you, to show you, to, to, to be a witness and a salt and light to somebody today. So, uh, Passivity is not good. Uh, the definition here, I think I put it further down on this. Yeah, let's jump down. We'll jump over a couple, three here. But 
in the book, we'll kind of try to stay in order. Number seven, a good definition of passivity is lack of desire, laziness, ooh, ouch, easy, preacher, apathy, lukewarmness, ouch, can we get there? Yes, we can. She says here on, in this first page of this chapter, an empty space is still a place, right? The place we give Satan is often empty space. An empty, passive mind can be easily filled with all kinds of his wrong thoughts. She says one, one good way to keep wrong thoughts out of your mind is to keep your mind full of right thoughts. That's question number four, actually. So instead of letting those wrong thoughts fill and flood your mind, you choose to think on good, wholesome things, what we call the 4-8 principle, right? Everybody remember that? Philippians 4, 8, whatever's good and honest and lovely and of good report and noble, if there be any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. And we're going to get into that more in these last, last two weeks here on the Christ-centered centered mind. And she talks about two different signs, two different types of sins. How many of you know there's sins of commission and sins of omission? Everybody understand the difference, right? Sins of omission is, is where you uh, didn't do what you should have done. Sins of commission is where you've done something that you shouldn't have done. So uh, th does that make sense? There are passive sins which are sins of, an, and she explains it. In other words, there are wrong things that we do, and there are right things that we don't do. For example, a relationship can be destroyed by speaking thoughtless words. That's commission, all right? Speaking these thoughtless, unkind words to someone you love, but it can also be destroyed by the omission of kind words. That spouse probably would love to hear some nice, kind words. So that's the sin of omission we we didn't you know we didn't say anything bad but we just didn't say anything so y'all see the difference right so different two different types of of sins there a passive person thinks he's doing nothing wrong because he's doing nothing <laughs> i'm not doing anything well yeah it's a sin of omission it's a sin of omission you know speak uh, kind words to people you know do something and that's actually question Number six, a, a passive person thinks he or she is doing nothing wrong because they are doing nothing. So let's back up and grab number five here, too. We've kind of, again, jumped around here a little bit on this, but uh, let's go to Luke 11, 24 to 26, sweetie. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man... He walks through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I'll return unto my house whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. First. What's going on here? Passivity, right? They go back. Nothing's going on. 
the devil's been cast out. That's exactly right. Should, you know, when the devil's cast out, you know, and I've dealt with, you know, casting out demons and people and probably five or six times in my life, and I always tell them, you know, you need to get into the Word, you know, because the enemy's going to try. He's going to try to get back. And sometimes he's going to bring some help with him, you know, and try to enter back in. So you're going to have to get into the Word of God. You're going to have to rebuke the devil, give him no place, and put him in his place. Was Bob? Was you saying going to say something else, Bob? Okay, all right. Okay, uh, but yeah, it we've you know we've we've got to be on guard. He can try to that that evil spirit can try to return. You can be up here on a you know in the church and again have that devil cast out, and you get home and just start you know not just giving him place again, and here he comes back. He said, "I think I'll go back," kind of like the scripture says here. He goes back and says, Listen, hey, let's, let's take some buddies, too. And let's really mess him up, <laughs> you know. So, again, Luke number 5, Luke eleven twenty four through 26, describes how an evil spirit once cast out of a person can return if the mind is kept empty and inactive. We better fill our minds with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Okay, now we're down to, we've got... Everybody got the first seven? Anybody miss any of the blanks on the first seven? Number four, that blank is right. Keep your mind filled with right thoughts. Philippians 4, 7, and 8. Okay, number eight. The step to overcoming passivity in actions is to overcome it in the thoughts, or you can put mind either one, in the thoughts, thought life, mind so she she uses the example of her husband uh she said he had a, a problem with passivity for many years he would uh, you know he, he would work he'd go to work every day play golf on saturday watch football on sunday but it was hard to get him to motive motivate him to do anything around the house she might ask him to to hang something on the wall it might take him three or four weeks to get it done you know to and she said this caused a lot of friction <laughs> between us because Joyce is a go-getter. And, uh, you know, he's just passive about it and doesn't take care of it. Anybody else that's married have any stuff like that? I've <laughs> got their hands up here. Uh, Miss Bev, she cracks a whip. Man, she, she gives me about two days, and then I'm in big trouble. Is that right? <laughs> she, she's a go-getter for sure. You wish you got two days. She wants it in an hour, huh? Right now. Get over here. What'd you say, Bev? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, anyway. Uh, she, anyway, he goes on. He, he loved the Lord. He sought him, but he was just passive. And he found that evil spirits were behind his non-action. He was praying about it, and the Lord showed him that. So... Uh, even he found it hard to study the word of God. He was just passive, not only in doing things around the house, but just he was neglecting his study of the Bible and his prayer time. He was just passive about it. She said, I was actually too aggressive. But David would always tell me that I was always out ahead of God, and I would respond by saying that he was 10 miles behind God. So I was too aggressive, and Dave was too passive. Uh, she says, when a believer is inactive, 
in any area in which he has capability or talent, that particular area begins to atrophy or become immobilized. The longer he does nothing, the less he wants to do anything. Has anybody ever seen that in, play out in your life? Yep. Sometimes you got to kick yourself in the seat of your pants and get up and, and just go do it, don't you? Because, you know, laziness begets more laziness, doesn't it? I can come in and, and sit down in the chair in the evening and sit with the best of them. But, you know, I know that it's not good for me to sit there hour after hour. So I'll get out and cut trees. I'll get out and mow the lawn. I'll go in and study my Bible on some subject that I'm really interested in, you know, for the training class or for Sunday or for, for Wednesday night. Anything to get my mind going and my body moving a little bit. Too. So and as I'm getting older, I'm finding this statement very true. The longer he does nothing, the less he wants to do. And, uh, and one great example she uses is physical exercise. Anybody have a hard time working out? Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to start a deliverance service right now for, <laughs> for everybody. It is, it's tough to make yourself, uh, I guess I dropped something. Yeah, that's fine. I'll get it. Uh, it's it's tough now. Bev, she is. It's tough, but she every morning. I hear her upstairs on that. I'm still in bed, about halfway asleep, but I hear her up there on that treadmill pounding that. You know, pounding that treadmill for about forty minutes. She doesn't like me talking about it, but she is disciplined in doing that. And me, I hit and miss. I'll get up and I'll have my hot tea, and I may, I'll go over to the barn and walk up and down the hill three or four times. But it, believe me, it's not every day. It's it's when I get around to it. Anybody know what a get around to it is? You know the coin in your <laughs> yeah. I used to have one. It was a, it was called a round to it. <laughs> I'm going to get around to it one of these one of these days. And so I'm not as disciplined as she is. But anyway, back to this story, and we'll have to wrap this up. He began to see what his problem was. He began to pray. The Holy Spirit began to help him, and he began to get up at 5 a.m., which is about when she gets up, to read the Word, pray before they, she went before he went to work. The battle was on. It took discipline, didn't he? Then he find there were times when he was bored, but she said, I began to notice that when I needed Dave to hang a picture or pick something, he responded immediately. Okay, baby, yeah, let's, let's get that booger hung on the wall here, you know. Uh, the more action, the more he took action based on what he knew to be right, the more freedom he enjoyed. Can people change? We can, can't we? If we want it bad enough, so... This is the shout-out tonight for all of us to exercise more and get into the Bible more. Amen? Okay, Ephesians 4, and we're going to, this is number 9. Let's get to it, and then we'll wrap up here. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. 
and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. I love that, don't you? Take off the old man, put on the new. You know, anybody ever be in a booster band back in the day? Was anybody ever in a little, I call it the booster band before? In the little church I was raised in in Hollis, Oklahoma, we had the booster band, we called it. And right after Sunday school, all the little kids would line up in the, the front and we'd sing these little songs. And one of them I remember was, Take off the old clothes and put on the new. You remember it? And uh, anyway, that's this little light of mine. And Joshua marched around Jericho and on and on. There was a bunch bunch of them. We may have to bring that back in style, right? <laughs> okay, number nine, the blank is uh, renewed. This Ephesians 4 reminds us that we are not what we used to be. We must put off that old nature and be renewed in the attitude of our minds. Colossians 3, let's read that and we'll fill in this blank. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich, eternal treasure that's above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God, Set your minds, then the King James says, set your affections on things above and keep them set on what's above, the higher things, not on the things that are of this earth. Man, let's get our mind on heavenly, amen, heavenly things, hallelujah, that's the, the goal here. So Colossians 3, 1 and 2 instructs us to set our minds, it's the first blank, on things above, not on the earthly things. This means concentrating on the eternal rather than the temporal. Do we fix on the temporal stuff sometimes? We just fix our mind on something that's happening and we can't even see the big picture, can we? Whether it's with our kids or our work or whatever, you know, it's, it's we're, we sometimes just live moment to moment instead of realizing that in the long run, the way I treated somebody today, the way I talked to somebody, uh, it's, it's so important that we see the eternal uh, rather than the temporal. Number 11, and it's the last one, right actions begin with right thinking. We've talked a lot about that, I know, in this session, or in these several sessions, how it's very, it all starts with a thought, doesn't it? Then it can proceed to the words, then it can proceed to actions. So, how many are going to set your affections on things above? Woo! Not on things of this earth, praise God. Hallelujah. Any comments, questions, answers? <laughs> All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jeff, will you just dismiss us in prayer tonight?
God's word at last my sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary Sing it with me There your mercy and your grace was free There your pardon multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty At Calvary Now I've given Jesus everything Now I gladly know him as my king Now my raptured soul can only sing Of Calvary, yeah, yeah There your mercy and your grace was free
You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. 